2: This is Bear Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to The Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour, my guest this hour has coached the Olympic sport of weightlifting for almost 15 years up to the world championship level, was a nationally competitive lifter himself, and now is an elite competitor in the tactical games. A, uh, he is a uh, former... First Responder, lives in uh, Central Oregon, and he's just written a new book called Tough, Building True Mental, Physical, and Emotional Toughness for Success and Fulfillment. His name is Greg Everett. He joins me by phone. Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, Greg, uh, this is going to sound a little facetious, and I don't mean it to be, but is this a tough time to be tough?
3: It, it is indeed uh, <laughs> this this past year in particular. I think has uh, exposed a lot of vulnerabilities to a lot of us that we had not previously understood existed. Uh, it, you know, it's it's really exposed a lot of holes and things we took for granted and and in things we felt secure with.
2: Um, and it's we're having to totally revise the way we look at our own lives in many cases. I, I mentioned when I was introducing you, Greg, that you uh, are a former first responder. Um, of of which variety? I, I, you know, it could be, you know, public health or it could be law enforcement. I'm guessing firefighter.
3: Uh, close. I worked on an
2: ambulance. Oh, very good. Very good. So some, somewhere in between the options that I exactly. considered. Um the what what gave you the idea to to write this book well to be honest it's been something that's on my mind
3: uh, as long as i can remember at least since you know being a young teenager and uh, i actually have notes for the book dating back to 2011 so it's it's not something that just came to mind recently by any means
2: it wasn't uh, something you just came up with uh because you were stuck at home because of the pandemic <laughs> right it It
3: was not a, a twenty twenty inspired uh project by any means it just happened to co- coincide with everyone's worst year um it i you know I grew up a kid who was very self conscious very insecure um you know skinny short kid, so I always had that inferiority complex and yet at the same time i I always felt this very um very strong trust in my ability to endure anything that could come my way and so that's i think what really set off this idea it was very confusing to me how i could have those two things simultaneously and uh you know eventually i recognized uh, probably not in very uh articulate or intellectual terms at that age but that there was something wrong with the way that we collectively uh, thought of being tough. And, and so that's always been something that I strove for, and it's something that I was always disappointed in not seeing in other people that I interacted with or worked with or, or in any other way I had to deal with. Uh, and so, really, I wanted to, uh, you know, more recently develop this idea more completely. And essentially come up with this unified, uh, this sounds grandiose, I realize, but this unified theory of of how we experience life, how we navigate these different things, uh, you know, how our sense of agency and responsibility translates into actual control over the course of our lives, and therefore, uh, you know, fulfillment and success and contentment and all these things that we're constantly chasing around without any real sense of how we achieve them or what actually leads to them.
2: You know, there's two two ways is that the word itself tough has a certain amount of baggage that it carries with it. Um and and you've chosen this for the title. And most people see the word tough and two things one of two things or maybe both come to mind. One is you know a, a tough guy, a bully. And then there's the other side of it, of you know, being tough and and being able to ride out adversity. Um, is there? What? What? How do you define tough? Well, I'll
3: preface the following by saying uh, the the choice in titles was certainly a tricky one. And it's not one that I'm entirely convinced was the best. And I actually had the original publisher want to change the title. So you're absolutely right that there is a lot of confusion and disagreement uh, about what that truly means. And the way I define it is actually very extensive. uh, And I take a long time at the beginning of the book to really lay out the case for what I'm trying to say, because otherwise the rest of it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, But the, the simple version is that I look at it it being the product of four uh, interdependent elements the first is character which is knowing our identity which includes really truly knowing our values and importantly being secure in that identity in other words you know not doubting who we are not questioning who we are um, which eliminates all all the uh, posturing and and you know ridiculous attempts at competition and uh things like that 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 produce so many of what we say, like the classic tough guy persona, uh, related issues. Uh, the next is capability. And that is a very broad and also continuously developing collection of not just abilities, but of knowledge. And so that, this is everything from physical capability, uh, to, to actual skills, uh, to the, the knowledge, uh, you know, information period of, of a broad spectrum of, of, uh, topics, but also including, uh, you know, tools and skills with dealing with, uh, you know, emotion and, uh, anxiety, you know, all these different things. So that's, that's all inclusive. And then next is capacity, which is what most of us think of as resilience, right? The ability to kind of withstand difficult situations. However, where I differ in this is that resilience to me is just a starting point. Resilience is uh, technically just returning to your original condition following some kind of trauma. And, you know, to me, that's a starting point. That's great. We don't want to get be worse off after these things. But what we want to do to be truly tough uh, is to actually benefit from adversity and from challenges and hardships. So what can we do to actually exploit these unfortunate uh, experiences? How do we learn from them? How do we get stronger? How do we get... Uh, you know, better able to cope with unpredictable adversity in the future. Um, and so that, of course, is a lot of uh, mental and emotional work, in addition to, of course, the character and capacity side of things contributing. And then finally is the idea of commitment. And this is what really brings everything together. This this idea is what are you willing to do? So none of those first three things matters a whole lot if you're not willing to do what is necessary Uh, you know, to make it through a difficult situation or to, uh, you know, participate in meaningful experiences and, and, you know, do the things that are truly required of you to gain what you're ultimately trying to gain.
2: You know, that's such an interesting uh, question, Greg, what are you willing to do? Because I've joked a couple times with friends about my entire career has been about doing jobs that I didn't not want to do yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 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 so it, it really struck me when when i came across that that question under under commitment but the four points that you articulate really say strength to me and i'm not saying that to suggest that you might have used a different title for your book because i think tough is a great title and i think it's uh an attention getter um but that's what we're really talking about when you say tough is strength. That is certainly one part of it
3: and understanding too that that strength encompasses so many different realms, of course, not just the physical, uh, you know, but the mental, the emotional. Uh, yeah, it's and, not how much can integrity.
2: You ben- it's not how much you can bench press. <laughs> right.
3: Although that could be part of it. Sure. <laughs> there certainly should be some physical capability in there. Uh but yeah, certainly it is uh and, and this is where people get confused, too, is that, well, if if physical capability is part of it, can someone who is not physically particularly strong be tough? And the answer is absolutely, because all of us, um, we find ways to mitigate our weaknesses and exploit our strengths. And it's not that we don't try to shore up those weaknesses and improve them. We absolutely do and should. Um, but if someone is you know, in a position where they're not, they're not going to be the strongest person on earth. We all find ways to make it work. And so the issue is in total, right? Uh, what we're capable of doing. And so all of us are able to find the ultimate, uh, you know, balance of these things, according to, you know, where we start, what our previous experience is, you know, how physically suited we are to the, to various uh, activities and tasks. Uh, so it
2: it really is, this all-inclusive collection uh, of characteristics. You, you know, in, in many ways I'm very fortunate in that I started doing my radio show from home uh, a few weeks before all of the um, recommendations to, to shelter in place and, and uh, the the impact of the, the uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic. So my work routine hasn't really changed from what i was already planning to do and yet i still feel this sense of being closed in and i can't tell you the number of times that i said boy something's just got to change and i get up the next morning and i think boy i'm all set for change and i look around and everything st- is still the same <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and so for for a lot of us that have that deer in the headlights look what should we be, what can we be doing under the current constraints to? Well, that.
3: Go ahead. I was going to say that is the question of 2021 and now early, uh, or 2020 and 2021 now. Uh, you know, what do we do in this very constrained, uh, you know, routine that we now have? And the, the most fundamental answer is that we need to change the way we're looking at things. So Thoreau wrote at one point, it's not what you look at, it's what you see. Uh, And this can be talked about for hours itself, but, you know, meaning you got up in the morning and said, well, everything is the same, so what do I do? Well, what you do is you change the way you're experiencing those same things, right? So this is all about mindset, it's about attitude, and, and the book goes into great detail on this because this is critical Uh, And, you know, we get a bit into the the Stoic philosophy side of things, which I'm not 100% in agreement with, but uh, there are certainly great ideas coming out of that. Um, And so, you know, two of us can have the exact same experience. But if we do a debrief after the fact, we're going to come up with very different interpretations of that event. Uh, Different things are going to be the salient points for us. So, you know, a given experience, a given set of circumstances can be viewed completely differently based on our previous experiences, what we're looking for, what we're not looking for, what we want to see and don't want to see. Uh, so really what, what we need to try to do is look at the circumstances, recognize objectively what they are, right? This is what's happening. We're not going to pretend it's not happening. We're not going to, you know, pretend that everything is great when it's not uh but the question is what can we do to make it as good as possible for us, you know, within the confines of the situation objectively. Uh, so for example, we're, you know, we're stuck at home. Okay. Well, uh, you know, how many books have you not read in the past two years because you've been too busy and you spending three hours a day sitting in right. traffic,
2: right. Uh, exactly.
3: you know, so it's that's a silly example, but it ultimately Man, not it's really. not silly because there's so much that we can accomplish Um, if we're willing to to stop trying to look at the same situation in the same way that we always have.
2: Greg, I've got to put a comma there because I have to take a short break. Can you stick around so we can talk some more? I'm really enjoying this. Uh, If you're listening to us on 92.1 FM, we're going to let them squeeze in. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark,
4: with Tom Sumner.
2: Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support.
0: I know this is a really hard time for everyone. We're facing a killer virus, economic pain, and all the frustrations of being cooped up at home. Believe me. I have two teenagers to deal with. But the worst thing we can do is let up now, triggering a second coronavirus wave that causes more death and economic chaos. What you're doing is working. You're saving lives. So let's all hang in there, and please, stay home and stay safe.
5: Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew.
1: program.com
0: The Tom Sumner program.
2: program.com Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick and you're listening to the
4: Tom Sumner program.
2: And welcome back everybody. We continue my conversation with uh, Greg Everett about uh, being tough, his uh, forthcoming book. Tough Building, True Mental, Physical, and Emotional Toughness for Success and Fulfillment is at the heart of our uh, conversation today. Greg, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. No problem. Um, Greg, just before the uh, break, you had uh, quoted Thoreau, and I'm, I'm just uh, a little stunned and, and curious about how many weightlifters know Thoreau
3: uh I, I don't recall ever <laughs> running into any other ones but
2: you know. <laughs> well kudos
3: weight weightlifting's just the most recent thing for me I, i've i've gotten around
2: a little bit in my life well obviously um but but let's get back to what we were talking about because we we were really kind of uh uh building on the uh the four different uh sort of areas that that people need to ask themselves about with regard to character, capability, capacity, and commitment. And we were uh, focused in on the what are you willing to do. And we were talking about um, how, how difficult it is to um, to really reimagine the things we're experiencing when what we seem to be experiencing is the same thing over and over, you know, make popcorn, binge Netflix, you know, get up and... <laughs> Um, you know, do a little work from home, it, and for some parents, you know, teach your kids. Um, it's, it, it becomes such a routine that it's, it's really hard to um, shift gears. It is, and th-
3: the great thing about uh, routine and habit is that if we choose to, we can make those things work for us. Uh, and, and that is part of commitment. That's part of the the discipline side of things. And, you know, depending on who you talk to, it's it's something between 40 and 60% of what we do in a given day is considered habit or routine, right? So we're not making conscious decisions
2: <clears throat>
3: through every single thing we do. We don't get up in the morning and have to think our way through getting dressed and brushing our teeth and making coffee, Um So if we can harness that, you know, natural trait of the human uh, mind, we can actually use it to great effect. We just have to be willing to put in the work initially to create new habits that support what we're trying to accomplish. You know, so simple examples, uh, making sure that you're spending time reading every night before you go to bed. Um, You know, making sure that you are always getting to the store and buying food so your house is stocked so you're not going to Jack in the Box every single day. Uh, you know, these sorts of things that set us up for success, rather than trying to approach everything with this, you know, going back to the kind of the classic tough guy persona, where you're just going to furrow your brow, grit your teeth and grind your way through the misery of every day of your life. That's not how it should be. And that's not what being truly tough is about. Uh, it's about being intelligent and setting these things up so you can, you're actually able to succeed Um, but part of that too is, so you you do have to have the willingness to put in the work. Of course, nothing worthwhile is going to come easy and it's not going to come immediately. Um, but you also have to have underlying that the, the true sense of personal responsibility and the sense of agency that allows you to recognize that you are ultimately in charge of the course of your own life, right? If, If so many of us have this odd sense of fatalism where, you know, this, this pandemic occurs and we just kind of sit back and say, well, my life's over, you know. Uh, well, yeah, we've been, work, we've been home. sort of
2: like deer in the headlights.
3: Right. And it's, it's again, it goes back to what we said at the very beginning is this sense of vulnerability and this true lack of security was exposed uh, and it caught a lot of us by surprise. We're so accustomed to uh, these systems and structures being in place that support us that we forget they're there and we don't remember they're there until they're suddenly pulled out from under us, and then we're kind of left flailing, wondering what to do. You don't miss it till it's gone. Exactly, and so so part of what uh, I discuss in the book is recognizing that these sorts of things are bound to happen at some point. Uh, and so rather than sitting around and kind of hoping we avoid them, which we might, we might get through our lives without anything major, but it's very unlikely, Uh, it it makes a lot more sense to do everything we can to prepare for them as well as possible. Um, And preparing for the unpredictable is obviously by nature a difficult thing to do. But again, that goes back to something like capability, where we're looking at the broadest collection of experiences, tools, capabilities possible, uh, because that's what's going to allow us to get through the unpredictable, right? The more tools we have in our toolbox – And the more experience we have using them in in different situations, the better prepared we are to figure out how to apply them to something we've never encountered before, some novel situation. Uh, And so, again, that sense of responsibility is key. And we can really go one of two ways in in any adverse situation, and that is considering ourselves victims. You know, poor us. This is happening to me. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm just going to wallow in my misery, which is You know, tends to be the natural response for us people. Um, Or we can go the exact opposite, which is this may not be my fault, right? This is not happening because of a mistake I made or or something. It's not blaming ourselves. I didn't create, you know, the COVID virus and start the pandemic. But it is still my responsibility to do everything within my power to improve my situation and take care of myself or my family or, you know, whoever I'm responsible for. Uh, and and when you really get down into that mindset, um, rather than what might initially seem like this burden, is actually this very liberating uh, uh, choice, right? It is it's we're granting ourselves the power to change the course of our lives, not saddling ourselves with the burden like a, a many people might initially see it. And once you start looking at the world that way, uh, you start recognizing opportunities that you may not have noticed before. And and going back to what we talked about a minute ago, you know, getting up every day and uh, got to go watch Netflix, got to go do the homeschooling with the kid and also figure out how to make a living uh, all from home. Uh, you know, we can look at, OK, well, this might be difficult, but what new opportunities have now presented themselves that might not have been available to me before in my previous circumstances? You know, how can I exploit this to my advantage in even the most minor ways, you know, don't overlook those small things. Like we talked about reading every night uh, because those do add up and, and there are synergistic effects in most cases that create products that go far beyond, you know, just the direct effects of each single thing on its own.
2: You know, I was I was thinking as you were talking, you said something Greg about um you know, about just struggling through something, just getting through it, just being, you know, tough and outlasting, say for example, uh uh quarantine. And and I couldn't help thinking, you know, that's sort of how I was taught and and probably a lot of people were taught that that's what toughness was, was the ability to just Grind through. Um, I, I, my dad famously, if I would stub my toe or skin my knee, he was he was the well walk it off guy.
3: Right, <laughs> <Run> some dirt <laughs> in it and walk it off. Right? Yeah,
2: exactly. yeah, exactly. And and so for <laughs> a lot of us, that's what tough means. But interestingly, in in your book title, tough building true mental, physical, and emotional toughness for success and fulfillment. There's. An intellectual part of it, not just the wherewithal to survive.
3: Right. And so there certainly is an element of rub some dirt in it and walk it off in true toughness. That is. The, the solution is not to do the opposite and run around complaining to anyone who will listen that you stubbed your toe because that's not solving the problem. That doesn't make the pain go away. It's not making it heal any quicker. Um, it, it's just kind of this self-indulgent, uh, self, you know, selfish burdening of other people with your problems. And that's not to say that we shouldn't communicate problems and, and reach out for help when needed. We absolutely should and take advantage of our our communities of every scale when necessary. But again, ultimately uh, what we're trying to do is not, not exacerbate an objective problem, right? So, you know, if something hurts talking about how much it hurts, isn't making it hurt less. Instead, what we need to do is figure out, okay, how do I define this problem? And now, now that I understand that problem objectively, what can I actually do to make it better? And with a stubbed toe, there's not a whole lot you can do. You, you literally do have to walk it off. Yeah. But with more complex, uh, complex situation you, you have to do a lot more complex work to get it done.
2: It's like the, uh, the Henny Youngman lines, you know, um, doctor, my leg hurts, what do I do for it? He said, limb. Yeah, And <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> And the other one that's become... Kind of a classic that everybody knows is, "Doctor, it hurts when I go like this." And He said, "Don't go like that." Don't do um, that exactly. And and but the, but the thing that that I like about this book, as much as we you know poked fun of it at the beginning of the hour, um, the the title "Tough" and and the baggage that that word carries, is that this is not just being tough, but being smart and disciplined mm-hmm. and all of these other elements to arrive at toughness.
3: Yeah, and it, it really is what I tried to communicate is how much of a global, uh, you know, mindset and approach to life it is. It's, it's not a specific thing. It's not just dealing with the stub toe, or it's not just being capable of climbing a mountain and, you know, escaping from a blizzard after you lose your gear. Or merely uh, COVID you know, really. things. Exactly. Uh, and, and so understanding how interdependent all these things are and and how these simple changes, well, I shouldn't say simple, they can be very difficult to make, but relatively simple changes in simply the way that we view experiences and the way that we view our role in our own lives, how dramatically those can change outcomes in our favor and um, and so, uh, you know, I actually go into and like, I talk about positivity and optimism there, and I poke fun of it a little bit because so many of us who kind of look at ourselves as being, you know, realistic, we we kind of scoff at that, you know, positivity. Ah, it's a bunch of hippie nonsense, and um, it is if it's not done properly, right? You know, being optimistic for no reason is kind of silly, right? Just just believing for no reason that things are going to turn out our way simply because that's what we want. Doesn't make a sense. Uh, but you know, as you're developing true toughness, what you're developing is optimism that is rationally born. It is based on your confidence in your abilities that you've developed through this work and through the experiences of previous successes. Right? So it's not that we think, Oh, Uh, you know, everything will work out fine with this COVID stuff, you know, something, someone will take care of it. It, It's that we look at it, and we say, I know I'm going to be okay, as long as I can endure this thing, because I will make sure that I'm okay, I will do everything within my power to make it okay. And those are completely different mindsets. um, And one of them actually produces a good result while the other one just kind of leaves you hopeful and waiting around for something to happen and something to take care of you, which very often doesn't work.
2: Yeah, for a lot of people who um, say, well, that's easier said than done, um, Greg, this, this book sounds like what it's saying is uh, that, that that's what toughness is all about, is, is doing it and not just saying it. Well, the, yeah, I, I, I poke fun at that saying, uh, easier said than
3: done, because literally everything is easier said than done. So the fact that you're even, you, someone even says that tells me that they just are not willing to actually try, right? <laughs> it's, you can say everything's easier said than done, and I can say, yeah, of course it is. So, you know, you might as well just quit now, since it sounds like that's what you want to do.
2: Well, it, it, um, becomes, it becomes more excuse than observation. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Well, I can't do this. Well, yeah, of course, now you can't do it because you're
3: convinced you can't do it, right? That's the Henry right. Ford quote, is whether or not you believe you can or can't, you're right. Uh, and so it, that you know, it doesn't mean, this isn't like mystical thinking where we say, I can do this, and then magically we have the capability uh, and the wherewithal. Uh, but what it does is that it provides us the opportunity to continue working to develop what we need, Right. If we immediately have this judicial thinking where we say, "No, that'll never work. Now I can never do that." Well, you never will because you will never commit to actually doing the things that are necessary to achieve those things that you've already told yourself are not possible.
2: How, Greg, how much of the book is, uh, you know, Greg's philosophy on life, and how much of it is is research into things that uh, are tried and true? from the discoveries and observations of others?
3: Uh, let me put it this way. It, when I wrote it, it was all, this is my experience. This is my understanding. This is yeah. the way I look at things. And then what I did was I said, okay, well, uh, who who am I to offer this advice? Yeah, Greg's Guide to so the I Universe. Better, I, better, I better find a way to back this up. And so that's when I went in. And I found, uh, you know, various sources, you know, from psychology to philosophy uh, and various other obscure ones to show that this wasn't just pulled out of thin air. Right. It, it may be, it's a, a unique approach that I've presented, but it's based on things that are not just completely um, ridiculous. Right. I didn't just like create uh, a, a new religion. You know, because I, I was bored on a Saturday. Uh, it, it's it's very much um, my philosophy and, and my approach to things. But I wanted to make it very clear that this what there is good reason uh, to give this a shot and and trust me at least as far to to try these things. If not, just believe me outright that they're going to work for you.
2: When does the, uh, when does the book come out, Greg?
3: Uh, February 16th, but it's, it's available for pre-order through pretty much any bookseller in the world at this point.
2: And is this the, um, the first time that you've written uh, a book?
3: No, this is the, I don't even know, 12th or 13th time, maybe, um, I, my first book came out when I was 20 years old, uh, so and I'm about to turn 41. So I, I've been chipping away at this stuff for quite a while. Um, the, the, in the recent years, though, most of the books I've been writing have been more technical in nature. They've been, you know, focused on the sport of weightlifting and, and yeah. uh, providing information for coaches and athletes versus the, this kind of book, which I haven't written one something like this in, in many years.
2: And and is is writing something you expect to, to continue and do more? What's what's next?
3: Oh yeah, I very much expect to do it. I've been doing it for so long, and it's it's uh, what, what's the saying? Uh, I've I got a face made for radio and a voice made for print. Uh, is, <laughs> is my addition
2: actually, Greg? So, I think you have a great radio <laughs> voice.
3: Well, thank you very much. Um, And so it is it is absolutely the way that I find uh, easiest to express myself and to really create clarity in in the ideas that are are in my mind. Um, You know, the speaking thing is is a little more difficult for me. Um, It really depends on the topic, of course, and having someone like you to actually have a good conversation with helps. Uh, But if you just stuck me on a stage and said, hey, give me a TED talk about the book Tough for an hour. Uh, I'd say,
2: okay, give me a couple years to prepare. Um, <laughs> so, yes, I, I absolutely plan to continue writing. Is this kind of a strange time to have a book coming out? Is it a, a little trickier? Uh, or Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I w- I've uh, asked a lot of writers that, Greg, because... Um, two things come to mind. One is this has been a great time for writers to hunker down and get a lot of things written over the last year, which not as many have as you might think. And and the other is, you know, part of uh, getting a book out is getting out there and promoting it, and it's it's been, been made a little more complicated.
3: Yeah, and it's, it's a double-edged sword, like you said. You know, writers tend to have a bit more time to focus on this stuff. But uh, the, the issue for me was more um, the the publishing side of things, because this was a book outside of my presently established area of expertise in, in the publisher's eyes. Um, it was a tough sell, so to speak. Ah. And so this, the, you know, I, I got my First offer right before all the COVID lockdowns started happening, and so what what happened is I got this publishing uh, contract offered to me, and then that publisher, all these publishers, everyone got furloughed. You know, these are all New York publishers, so New York was shut down for right. like three months. Well, and it was so the epicenter starting out. Oh yeah, yeah, but it was just complication after complication. Uh and so that has been the tough part um the writing part's been great you know i I work from home now uh as of the past few years also, so uh you know I can come lock myself in my office every morning and and bang away at the the keyboard for essentially as long as I need to uh so that part's been great,
2: yeah, I always joke that you know my my commute is basically uh from the living room down the hall to my office. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a, it's a great way to have things. Well, Greg, we're getting close to the uh, end of our time. We just have a couple of minutes left, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more, not just about the new book, Tough, but about you and uh, and all of your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website?
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, specific to this book, uh, becomingtough.com. Or, or the Instagram account becoming tough is the, the portal for all things about this book. That's where you're going to get, uh, gotcha. you know, quotes and excerpts and, and, uh, you know, information about different editions and releases and sales and whatever. Um, and then catalyst or the Instagram account catalyst athletics is my primary, um, outlet so that will have pretty much anything related to the book as well but also go well beyond that into all kinds of fun stuff so
2: well greg it's been an honor and a privilege to get to know you a little bit and uh to talk about this book and and i wish you uh, all the luck with it oh thank you so much i really appreciate you having me on all right um take care greg have a great uh have a great weekend coming up thank you you too That was uh, Greg Everett. He uh, has a new book. It comes out February 16th. It's called Tough, Building True Mental, Physical, and Emotional Toughness for Success and Fulfillment. It comes out February 16th. And uh, Greg is uh, not only a a, uh, writer and and to some degree a philosopher, but he... uh, has coached the Olympic sport of weightlifting for almost 15 years up to the world championship level. He was a nationally competitive lifter himself and is now an elite competitor in the tactical games. He's a former first responder. He lives in central Oregon. Once again, the name of the book is Tough, Building True Mental, Physical, and Emotional Toughness for Success and Fulfillment. And... Uh, with that, we're going to take a uh, short break. We'll be back with the final segment of today's uh, three hour tour known as the Tom Sumner program. If you are uh, streaming us, or if you are listening to us rather on WFOV 92.1 LPFM in Flint, our Voices Radio is a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my uh, friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in edge-wise, or do whatever they do when we go to break. In the meantime, if you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, remember the show repeats all day and night until we do another new show uh, at 9 a.m. Uh, weekdays. Um, we're going to have some messages as well. Also, if, um, if you miss an interview and you want to go back and catch it, we have an archive on the website as well. And you can uh, go to TomSumnerProgram.com and search show archive and uh, look up old shows. We'll be right hey. back. <laughs>
1: this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now.
3: And now, too. And even
4: now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day.
3: Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them.
4: Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or if you're worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips,
1: in the Twilight Zone.
0: Hi, this is Ann Serling and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
1: Okay, okay, the story is about a minister. His name is Reverend Leroy. (laughs) <laughs> Leroy was pastor of the church of the What's Happening Now. I mean, Leroy wasn't the type of guy who'd tell you what happened a long time ago or what's going to happen in the future. When you go to Leroy's place, he'll tell you what's happening now. Uh, the, members, the members of the congregation dug Reverend Leroy so much that they got together and chipped in, all of them chipped in, and they built Rev. a new tabernacle. Well, it was really a storefront, but they renovated <laughs> Changed the name from Barbecue Place to Tabernacle. <laughs> Put a big sign on the front, Church of the What's Happening Now, pastored by Reverend Leroy. <laughs> now, it was the first day of the service, the day of the first service at the new tabernacle. It's early Sunday morning. <laughs> down the road, on a path leading through the zoo, comes Reverend Leroy. Now, this Sunday morning, the rain is falling down. Brothers and sisters, the rain was falling down. And the wind was blowing. And into the pouring down wind and the rain came Reverend Leroy. As he walked through the zoo, standing there in a the cage behind the bars, looking out between the bars, it's a gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're laughing. You're laughing. Now, I realized that gorilla, but on the cage, on the front of the cage, where it has the name of the animal, it said go said, beware of the G-O-RILLA. That's Gorilla. Beware means watch out. Watch out for the Gorilla. As Rev passes the cage, he sees the gorilla standing there, leaning on the cage, digging out between the bars. Rev thinks that the gorilla is a man in jail (laughs) who's had his civil rights violated. (laughs) Rev stops in front of the cage. He says, uh... Said, brother... Said, brother, why? Why have they got you behind those bars? Said, brother, whatever they said you did, you didn't do it. (laughs) Said you didn't do it, he said, because I know an innocent face when I see one. That <laughs> you didn't do it, brother. He said, I know. He said, look, just look at the hair hanging down in your nasty face. He <laughs> said, brother, they won't even let you wash your nasty face. said, look, said, they've even got you drinking out of a trough. Said said, brother, a man has to stoop pretty low to drink from a trough. said, we're going to do something about this. Said, we're gonna get the members, said, I'm going right down to the tabernacle and I'm gonna get the members to get together, said, and we're gonna send a petition to Washington. Said, we're gonna do something, said, brother. Said, all I got is $1 a raincoat and a pack of chewing gum. Said, but you can have that. Said, I'm gonna give that to you. He walked over, dropped the raincoat, and extended his hand, which the gorilla clasped gently. Rep said, uh, brother, I'm gonna see you in a little while." And he went to pull back and he felt the gorilla tighten up. (laughs) The pain shot up his arm. (laughs) Down his back. (laughs) Rev said, "Uh, "'Brother, I told you "'that I would see you in a little while.'" Then Rev heard his spine snap. (laughs) (laughs) Rev said, "'Brother, didn't I say I would see you in a little while, and the gorilla snatched him inside the cage. He the bar. <laughs> Rev threw that small opening in the bar. Broke both shoulder blades, getting him in there. And he cupped Rev's head in one paw, and he rained blows upon him with a 75-pound mass of hair-covered nut. <laughs> the breeder said, brother! Say wait a minute! they hold it. And the gorilla snatched him by the neck. The gorilla had a handful of the man's neck. <laughs> a handful of neck doesn't leave too much neck. Has anybody ever had a handful of your neck? The gorilla took him by the neck and he beat him off both sides of the cage. Then he slammed him around and slammed him down and jumped up and down. And picked him up and flung him out between the bars. Ref got up. (laughs) (laughs) brushed off his clothes. He walked over to the cage. He said, brother, said I'm talking to you! (laughs) (laughs) Said I'm talking to you. And the gorilla glanced back over his shoulder. The ref said, you know? That you're not a man. Did you act like a gorilla? <laughs> so that's the way you act. He said, whatever they said you did, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did it, and some more besides. <laughs> said, I'm gonna get the members to send a petition to Washington, all right, to see that you get the electric chair. <laughs> said not oh yes. <laughs> said ask for that hair hanging down in your nasty face. I hope they keep you in there so long, it'll cover your shaggy car. <laughs> this was
0: another Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
2: Welcome back, everybody. That wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. I want to say thanks to Greg Everett, uh, author of Tough, and uh, also, before that, um, talking with the uh, doctors from the uh, Bume Cardiovascular Institute at uh, Northwestern Memorial Hospital, uh, Drs. Clyde Yancey and Sadia Khan. And uh, of course, uh, starting out this morning with uh, Omar Acampo from the Institute for Policy Studies, talking about the impact of uh, COVID-19, the Super Bowl, and uh, on um, billionaires and their ability to continue to um, make money even during uh, the pandemic. Uh, in particular, some of the uh, the billionaires that own sports teams anyway thank you to omar for that i hope you enjoyed uh, today's show tomorrow we're uh uh, tom skinner is going to join us during the 11 o'clock hour tomorrow we'll get a little preview of the big game this weekend that should be uh should be interesting we have some other interesting guests as well as we always do each and every monday through friday from 9 a.m to noon uh, here on the Tom Sumner program. That's smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Always a signal for me to wrap things up and head on down the hall to the living room. but uh, I promise I'll be back nine o'clock tomorrow morning for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. In the meantime, stay safe, be well, and good night everybody.